Good morning. Welcome to America's Land Auctioneer Radio Show. And guess what, guys? We're back. I will be your guest host today, Maurice Covington. And here with me in studio, well, not in studio, but recording remotely from Charlottesville, Virginia, is Carolyn Pfeiffer, the American wine girl. How you doing? Hey, hey, good morning, everybody. Great to be back on America's Land Auctioneer radio show and podcast. Yes, yes. We're doing another takeover again. Fun times, huh? <laughs> yes, it's great to be back. I always love filling in for my dad. Right. <laughs> so, guys, listen, Pfeiffer's is rocking and rolling right now. Land management, royalty, auctions, they are so busy. They are set for the busiest year to date. So we, being behind the scenes normally, we decided to step in again this week uh, and help Kevin out and give him a break because he's just so, he's actually at auction right now as we speak. So yeah, <laughs> he's been so busy. Go, go, go. And yeah, we enjoy doing it. So we're good to be, it's glad to be it's good to be back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not used to this whole podcast thing. Yeah, we're getting used to it. I mean, last time was kind of rough. I mean, if you guys listen, we thought it was rough. Maybe you guys didn't think so, but hopefully this time we'll do better for you guys. But we hope everybody's doing well. Again, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer radio show. Uh, you're here with Mo Covington and Carolyn Pfeiffer, the American wine girl. Um, last time we were on, we kind of talked to you guys a little bit, a little bit about real estate, a little bit about Carolyn and her blog. Um, the American wine girl. And then right before we, uh, ended segment four, we told you guys we were heading off to Italy. So we just took a trip to Italy, Carolyn. You want to start talking a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, it was a trip of a lifetime. Absolutely. I had studied abroad in Florence, Italy for four months, um, back in 2017. So, I ended up planning the whole trip for us because I felt comfortable mm-hmm. enough to like kind of take the reins and plan where we were going to go. And, um, yeah, I, I loved doing it. It was super fun, but it was Mo's first time in Europe. Yes, it was across the seas. <laughs> um, we did just stay in Italy, but we were there for about 10, 11 uh, days, 12 days total, yeah. 10 days kind of set in stone in yeah. different places. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was so incredible, but of course it was my like second time being Mm -hmm. back in Italy and I had been to most of the places we went, but I think you should talk about what you thought. Well, this is what I think. This is what I think. So, so folks, I believe there's several kinds of people. There's some people who just, they don't want to travel anywhere. They just want to stay where they are. They enjoy being here in America, right? And then there were people like me who likes to travel within America to different places, maybe just go kind of bi-coastal to the beach, you know, down to Miami, to New York, to different cities. Um, and Carolyn really opened my eyes to traveling internationally. I always wanted to do it eventually, but it was never like on my to-do list immediately or in the near future. But wow, what a eye-opening experience, Carolyn. It was yeah. so amazing. It I was- mean, it's way different than... Because you have been to like Mexico and mm-hmm. some of the mm-hmm. Caribbean islands, but it's so much different than that. Because I feel like even Mexico, it's still North America and it's very, you know, it's a huge tourism place, especially mm-hmm. for Americans to go. So going somewhere like Europe, especially in the time of COVID, I mean, there really weren't many Americans at all, like a few here and there, but. I mean, there were a lot of people on holiday, on vacation, but they were like, you know, from Germany or France. So you really still felt like you were fully immersed in a full European culture of it all. And I mean, 
we had so many experiences where people didn't speak any English. I mean, it's very we, different. We, we. <laughs> CC. CC, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, I, um, I actually, guys, I picked up a few Italian words over there because it was so hard. Like she said, there were very few Americans. So everybody there was pretty much either from Italy or places near or countries mm-hmm. nearby. So uh, we really had to use Google Translate to help us kind of communicate we with really the people did. there. It was yeah. so fun. And I, it's so crazy because I took five years of French and, you know, felt like I was pretty good by the end of it. I could have a little bit of conversation. But when I went to Italy and studied abroad, after a month of living there, I could full on have conversations. I could Mm -hmm. do like get around as best I could in Italian. And so it was crazy because you really learn it a lot quicker and better when you live there. And I love the Italian language especially and the culture because the people are so nice about it and willing to help you and That's teach right. you their language. Mm-hmm. Like if you mess up, they'll like nicely try to help you <laughs> say it better. Um, and so I always just felt more comfortable trying to speak the language there anyways. Um, but yeah, after not going for four years, I like totally forgot <laughs> it all. Well, well, listen, I'll tell you this. Um, you, you guys know she's the American wine girl. So after a few glasses of wine, she can, her Italian really came it through. It really came out. I don't know where it comes from, but yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, but traveling internationally during these times was, was, was different. It was pretty, you know, it was a, it was a process for us. Um, we had, to, so going there, we didn't have to, you know, take a negative, go have a negative test or anything like that. Right. We just had to bring our CDC cards, right? Yeah, we had to have like a passenger locator form, mm-hmm. passport, CDC cards. And to get into a lot of places, we had to show our CDC card. But it was nice weather, so we were outside most of the time right. anyways, like an indoor-outdoor right. uh, space. So it really like wasn't too bad. I mean, yeah, we wore masks when we were inside, but... There were times on the streets too, even just walking on the sidewalk and, you know, the streets in Italy are tiny tiny. and you still kind of feel like you're breathing in other people's air, even when you're outside. And we were like, like maybe (laughs) we should wear, we should wear our masks outside. I don't know. Um, So that was like a little. Well, because what happened was while we were there. You know, some new rules kind of went into place. So we were scared that we weren't yeah, even going to get back into the country. Yeah, literally transitioned right when we were there. But, I mean, for the most part, I think um, from what we heard from a lot of Italians is they're so over COVID. I mean, mm-hmm. I know everybody is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I just, yeah. And they were hit so hard. And a, a lot of them are vaccinated now. But everyone there is just like, we're so over it. Like, <laughs> masks, like, on the chin. Like, yeah. not even yeah. caring. Um but yeah, I feel glad that we had the vaccine and we didn't get COVID when we were there. And uh, no. we probably would have gotten it if we hadn't had been vaccinated. That's so. right. Yeah. I mean, and to get back into the States, we had to take a Had to have a, a negative test. test. Negative. So right. yeah. And we, oh, I will say a tip for anybody um, going abroad. If you have to have a negative COVID test to get back to the United States, definitely pack your own in your suitcase that's because what we did. Mm-hmm. that's what we did. We had, and as, well, of course, if they take the rapid antigen test, um, you have to double check, but the U.S. did. So mm-hmm. that worked out for us because we just did it in our hotel room the night before mm-hmm. um, versus having to go to the airport four hours early and stand in a line and wait for your results. Oh, that so, would have sucked. Yeah. yeah. So I'm super glad we did that. We were well prepared. Out. Thanks, Carolyn, for that. You're welcome. You're <laughs> but I do welcome. want to talk quickly about our trip. So it was my first time in Italy, and mm-hmm. our first stop was in Sicily, mm-hmm. which was amazing. So, guys, Sicily is an island, uh, south, south Italy, right, babe? 
Yeah. 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 Okay. It's Southern like, Italy. It yeah. like touches the uh, toe of the boot. Of the boot. Correct. They're so, um, on Sicily, there's a there's a several volcanoes, active volcanoes, but the I mean the one that's I guess most people might know of is Mount Etna. Um, so while we were there, we actually got to do some wine tastings. We got to taste wine at the base of Mount Etna. And how about this, guys? How about Mount Etna started erupting while we were tasting wine <laughs> at the base of the volcano? It was insane. It was so freaky. I mean, big booms, the ground shaking. It felt like earthquakes every what, a minute? It was yeah. so crazy. Yeah. I mean, just a really surreal experience. Like you could feel and hear it. It was it was like thunder, but it was also like tumbling rocks. Yeah. And then you start start to see like the black smoke, smoke in the sky. The yep. And earlier that day, it was perfectly clear blue skies, just the teeniest little puff of like white smoke coming out of Mount mm-hmm. Etna. And then by the end of the night, it was like this black smoke <laughs> surrounding. It was crazy. And where we were, the guy even and our host who was giving us a tour, he was like, oh, yeah, we'll probably have ash in about two hours. We were like, what? He was like, you guys want to probably make it down in two hours because ash is going to start falling. So- it was crazy then. So they sent me a picture of what had fallen um, from the sky. Mm-hmm. And it's like this giant, it's like giant chunks of volcanic soil right. falling from the sky. Right. Like, I didn't, like rocks, volcanic yeah. rocks falling from the sky. It's so crazy. And what was so cool, I mean, we didn't get a chance to see any of, of the lava in person, but on the news the next day, mm-hmm. they had drones kind of hovering over the mouth of the volcano, and you can see the lava just erupting, coming out, and we were like, whoa, we were right, like we were up there. <laughs> like, that's so crazy. So crazy, yeah. <laughs> so that was a pretty cool experience for me. Um, so tasting wine at the base of Mount Etna, uh, we got to swim in the Mediterranean sea with fishes and we swam into a cave. I mean, it was just so much fun. Time of my life. Yeah. The best food. Oh, the best drinks. No joke. The best food. I mean, what was your favorite dish out there? My favorite dish. Um, I love pasta alla norma, which is like a traditional Sicilian pasta dish. Um, but in Sicily, they have such good, like, fresh food. They're really oh, known man. for cannoli, granita, mm-hmm. pistachio. I mean, they're known for a lot of different fun things. Pistachio, right? You just said that Yeah, in but I said it in Italian. Oh. <laughs> bruschetta, not bruschetta. Uh-huh. Yeah, so well, bruschetta. So we ate at a lot of great places mm-hmm. in Sicily. What I mean, was the highlight? What was the best restaurant you So, think? I mean, obviously on one stands out. We did, so it's called the Ashby Hotel on the St. George Restaurant. Gorgeous view. Beautiful scenery, um, but we did like a tasting menu, so a few different courses, and it was like amazing, the most insane <laughs> meal I've ever had in my life. Um, yes. Yeah, it was just incredible. If any of you guys ever have the opportunity to go to Terramina in mm-hmm. Sicily, please visit. Yeah, definitely that go restaurant. there. It was amazing. The hotel was amazing. But too. also, if you guys ever do go to Sicily or Terramina, check out my blog post because I recapped everything on my website, mm-hmm. which is theamericanwinegirl.com. Um, so yeah, you can check that out. I do like different little travel guides. I've done some for Napa and Sonoma and I'm going to yeah. be doing one for Florence and Montalcino in well, the next couple of weeks. Awesome. Can't wait. Yeah. Well, folks, we're wrapping up segment one here, but again, you're listening, listening to the American Land Auctioneer radio show. Uh, I am your guest host, Maurice Covington. I'm here with Carolyn Pfeiffer and we're filling in for Kevin Pfeiffer. He's out at an auction currently. <laughs> So you guys will be listening to us today. So we'll be right back after this break. Thousand dollar fifty thousand dollar wares, seventeen fifty dollar here now. Do sold your way for seventeen hundred and fifty. 
Welcome back, guys, to America's Land Auctioneer Radio Show. I am your guest host, Maurice Covington, and I'm here with the lovely American wine girl, Carolyn Pfeiffer. How's it going, Carolyn? Good morning, everybody. Good to be back. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, during the first part of the show here, we were kind of recapping our uh, Italy trip. Um, and I mean, just amazing things that we experienced over there and, you know, drinking wine at the, at the base of a volcano. So, so cool. Uh, I kind of wanted just to kind of finish off capping that story. Um, well, not the story, but just our trip in general. Um, so we, so after we left Sicily, which was amazing, we then flew into Florence, which was Carolyn's favorite city. Yeah. So that's where I studied abroad. Florence is incredible. You have the Duomo. You have so much history and art and culture and food. And it's like a very walkable city. So it's just, I mean, it's just amazing. They literally have. We everything. walked literally everywhere. Walked I mean, like everything. six miles. But a it day. wasn't. Yeah. yeah, but it wasn't like too. Like we weren't exhausted. Like it made no. sense to walk. Like no. it would literally take longer to drive places. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And and for me, baby, like what, what was the highlight for me when we first got there? What's the first thing we got to see? Oh, the Duomo. The Duomo. Yeah. Oh, the Duomo is incredible. I mean, and you can't miss it. It's like the centerpiece of the city, so it's pretty cool. It's so beautiful, guys. I don't know how they built that. Back in those times, I just don't understand yeah, how they like how the things were so beautiful. It's yeah. so insane. The history there was insane to mm-hmm. me. It blew my mind. I mean, they had buildings there, standing people living in them that were older than America itself. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Isn't it's that, but it's so. I mean, it's so kind of. It's really cool, cool though. Yeah, I mean, and they just built such extravagant, you know, beautiful things back then. Oh, man. Everywhere we walked, everything was just so beautifully built. It was eye, I mean, my mouth dropping for me, eye opening for me. What a great experience. And the food there was still amazing as well. Yeah. So it was funny because like in Sicily, it was, you know, it's an island. So it was a lot more fresh fish and like the wines were very mineral driven, high acidity. Um, it had that volcanic terroir. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going to Florence, which is in the region of Tuscany, mm-hmm. um, was a lot more, I guess, heavier reds. So, of course, you have Chianti made from the Sangiovese grape. And then um, the food is much more like meaty, mm-hmm. kind of heavier pasta. So it was really good to kind of get to taste the two different regional cuisines. Yeah. And and you mentioned the uh, the terroir in, um, in Sicily and how it yes. impacts the wine that they make there versus mm-hmm. the wine that's made in Florence or, you know, in the Chianti region versus, you know, yeah. we'll talk about other places we've been, but can you talk more about that? How, how that, you know, how the volcanic um, ash or soil. So I get this question a lot because I always, am just like, Oh, terroir. And people are like, well, what's terroir? So terroir is like all of the environmental factors that go into play um, in creating a wine or growing the grapes. So it's things like the climate, the soil, the topography, so like mountains or wind, sea breezes, things like that, mm-hmm. um, and then also the tradition of the winemaking. Mm-hmm. So in Mount Etna in Sicily, for example, the climate is very like Mediterranean, 
um, type climate. You've got sea breezes. You've got mountain ranges. You've got south-facing aspects. Um, you have the volcanic soil, which is just has crazy kinds of minerals mm-hmm. um, that impart flavor into the grapes and into the wine. Wow. And then the tradition um, of winemaking there, of course, dates back dates back hundreds and hundreds of years, um, and they have all these different kind of um, techniques that they use. So, you right. know, different vessels of uh, things that they age the wine in or ferment the wine in. So really, really cool to just learn about it and then, of course, taste it in mm-hmm. the wine and see like, oh, wow, this is why this wine tastes so much different than a Virginia wine right. or a California wine. Right. It's because of where it's grown and who made it. Right. So it's really special. And I mean, I think, you know, you too, Mo, who you, you know a little bit about wine, but a little bit, <laughs> you can clearly taste <laughs> the difference you. of Mount Etna wines versus Tuscany wines versus Montalcino and Brunello and, um, all the different wines we tried in Italy. I can. And, um, to your point for me, so after we left Florence, we went to Montalcino and they're known for their Brunellos. Okay. Yes. So, uh, Florence, the region around Florence is known for the Chianti. Um, and then Brunellos are. <laughs> Good job, Mo. Thank Look, you. See, I'm learning know. a little bit. <laughs> That's great. Okay. So, so Chianti is a region. A region. Yes. Right. And Brunello is also a region. Mm-hmm. But they're both made from the same grape, mm-hmm. which is? Sangiovese. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. So basically they just have like different aging requirements and they're just totally different regions because even though they're like an hour or two apart from each other, I mean, the terroir is totally different. Mm-hmm. The soils are different um, and the traditions are different. So so for crazy. me, I mean, you can talk more about how the terroir was different in Chianti versus um, uh, Brunello. Mm-hmm. Or, or Montalcino, yeah. but I love a Brunello. Those Brunello wines were so good, so silky smooth. Yeah. More towards the wine that I typically like to drink versus yeah. the Chianti. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the soil's definitely different. Um, there's different minerals and different kind of combinations of soil. Um, and also just the aspects and just where in the region um, the vineyards are. Um, of course, in Brunello, we tried a lot of really great Brunellos, some of the best coming from those steeper slopes that have a little bit more um, intense sun exposure. Right. So that leads to more ripening and more concentration in the grapes, which then leads to, you know, higher alcohol, higher flavor. Brunellos are typically higher alcohol than Chianti because um, they're getting oh, a little bit like more them? concentrated sugar. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um but Brunello also has a stricter aging requirements with the how DLCG? long. Is that what that's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. with how long they need to be uh, aged in, excuse me, oak barrels. And okay. So, and I mean, then that- they need to be um, aged further in bottles um, before release. So that's why it's like a total of five years of aging before it can be released. So the youngest Brunello we tried was a 2016. And that makes sense because I'm a huge whiskey bourbon drinker and I like stuff that's aged in the barrels that has that strong alcohol, like Mm -hmm. flavor. I don't know flavor, but just that, you know, that strong taste. We also had a lot of really great uh, super Tuscans, though. I mean, Brunellos are great and Chiantis, but it's funny because it's like, you know, the wines all fit the terroir perfectly, but it also goes perfectly with the food of that region. Mm -hmm. So Florence, you think 
you know, pizza and pasta with tomato sauce and basil. And like Chianti is like the perfect pairing with that type of food. Brunello, it's a little bit heavier. Mm -hmm. And Brunello, they're really known for this particular type of like filet steak that they serve with like the Sangiovese sauce. So the olive oil. The olive oil everywhere (laughs) was so good. Yeah, we definitely brought some back with us. Yeah. So there are olive trees everywhere. So they really take yeah. pride in making each. I mean, pretty much each vineyard we went to made their own olive oil. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that was so cool. I would say another standout thing for us in terms of wine was the Super Tuscans. Mm-hmm. And Super Tuscans, for those of you guys that don't know, is um, a red wine. Typically a blend that's made from international grape varieties. So in Italy, they have, you know, thousands of different native grape varieties to Italy. That would be things like Sangiovese, Nerello Mascalese, different things like that. Um, But a Super Tuscan is made from like Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, like those are French grape varieties. So um, it's fun to taste those grapes in Italian terroir. And those wines are really good. They're definitely more full body. Mm-hmm. They taste, um, I mean, yeah, they're just more full, a little juicier and yeah. jammier than yeah. like the kind of more elegant side of um, right. the Tuscany wines. Right. But. Well, guys, it was such a cool time to be there. I mean, the, the season was kind of turning. It was starting to kind of cool off there. But also a uh, big time in the wine industry because it was harvest season. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were just starting that week, the next week, to start picking some of the grapes off the um, off the vines there. So that was the pretty, I mean, and also, I mean, the landscape there is so beautiful. Rolling hills, I mean, just vineyards everywhere. Just a beautiful time of year to be in Italy. So beautiful. So harvest is starting there, and harvest is also starting here in Virginia and everywhere else around the world. So yeah. we'll dive more into that a little bit when we get back from our break here. Um, again, guys, you're listening to, or people, everybody, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer radio show. I am your guest host, Maurice Covington. I'm here with Carolyn Pfeiffer. We're filling in for Kevin Pfeiffer, who's currently at an auction. Um, but we'll be right back after this break. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer radio show and podcast. I'm Carolyn Pfeiffer, guest hosting today with my fiance. Maurice Covington. We're doing a little takeover for my dad, Kevin Pfeiffer, as he is super busy with auctions now that we are into that busy fall season. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, guys. Good morning. Um, yeah. Welcome back to the show. Yes. Kevin is out right now at an auction. Um, I stated earlier in the show that they are set for their best year to date. So they are super, super, super busy. Pfeiffer's auction of realty, Pfeiffer's land management. You know, Kevin, he's an auctioneer, so he's out here doing out there doing his thing. So he's super busy. So again, like Carolyn said, we stepped in to record a show for him. Yeah. It's always great to be back in the studio. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> so before we hit the break, uh, we were talking about just terroir and regions and what's happening um, in, in the wine world right now. And this time of year, I mean, this is probably the busiest time of year for any winery or any kind of wine production because it's harvest season. So harvest is happening right now. Carolyn at Pippin Hill is happening and Napa Sonoma is happening and pretty much all over, all everywhere right now. Yeah. Can you talk about like what that looks like? So harvest, they go out, they pick the grapes and which grapes are typically being picked first. You know, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. harvest is like the most exciting time, you know, in a vineyard, in a winery. So 
Um, it's really just, it's fun to see the grape clusters forming on the vine. And it's also, you know, exciting because we're picking for the 2021 vintage, which here in Virginia is going to be a really good one. I don't know about other parts of the world. Everywhere is kind of different. But 2020 in Virginia, we had a really bad frost that killed like 90% of the fruit in the Monticello AVA. Just another thing that um, went wrong in 2020, huh? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like no surprise. Right. Um, but 2021 has been great. It's been a drier year, which has actually been really awesome for the grapevines with that um, added drought stress. So we're getting nice, concentrated, rich grapes. Um, but yeah, as you were saying, you know, kind of what grapes are picked first and the whole process with that. Um, so basically, as grapes ripen, the acidity levels fall and the sugar levels rise. Mm-hmm. So if we're thinking about, you know, white wine, mm-hmm. white wine typically has that bright acidity. It's really crisp. It's really light. Right. Um, so we'll typically harvest our white grapes first. That's because we want them to have high acidity. We'll pick them when it's a little cooler. So either at night or really early in the morning, everything is hand harvested. So a big team goes out there and they just kind of cut them off the vine and throw them into a bucket. And then they are transported over to the winemaking facility. And that happens pretty quickly, right? It It happens really quick. And I mean, the turnaround for when they decide they're going to pick the grapes is like, 12 hours or a day or they'll be like, okay, you know, the bricks, which is the sugar levels, you know, are going to get too high or the acidity acidity levels are going to drop. So we need to pick this tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're kind of. So they're out there every day testing. They are testing it every day. That's really starting to get, you know, they monitor it every day, kind of starting in August, especially. Um, to make sure it's right. And it all depends on the style of wine they want to produce. So if it's a Sauvignon Blanc and we're, you know, picking for that light, crisp style of mm-hmm. wine, we'll pick it earlier. If we're picking for a Chardonnay Reserve, which is going to be a little more heavy and tropical fruit notes, maybe do the malolactic fermentation agent oak with a little buttery, oaky flavor, mm-hmm. um, maybe the Chardonnay will hang on the vine a little bit longer. But the white grapes get picked first. Essentially. Yeah, essentially. The white wine however, yeah. however mm-hmm. I mean, there's always exceptions in wine. Um, We've already picked a lot of red grapes for our rosés. So, you know, we do Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Malbec for our different rosés that we make at um, Pippin Hill. And so we will harvest those a little earlier while the acidity is really nice and high Mm -hmm. again. And, you know, it's not too deep in color or sugars or anything like that yet. So we want to pick those earlier on. Okay. Okay. And then yeah. you pick your reds. And then we'll pick the reds. And we've Is already started. Right yeah. We've yeah. already started picking the reds. Um, we still haven't picked our Petit Verdot. Petit Verdot here in Virginia is usually the last one we pick. Um, because that is going to be like our fullest body wine. It takes a lot longer to ripen. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's still hanging on the vine, but we have started to pick, um, some of our other reds and yeah, then you kind of, you know, you pick them, you take them back to the winemaking facility and that's, that's a whole nother story. (laughs) Yeah. The whole process is. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Carolyn. So I always hear that harvest is a busy time of the year. I know it's busy because they're just, that's when they're picking their grapes and the wineries are kind of like, you know, figuring out what they're going to do with the different grapes and what kind of wines they're going to make and that kind of stuff. But also, um, as far as tourists and people who are coming out 
you know, this time of year to taste your wine and enjoy the scenery and stuff like that. Is it still as busy now as it was in the summer months or the spring months? Or does that kind of tourism or visitation kind of Um, start to slow down? I think we kind of see a little bit of a drop as people go back to school, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Like in the summer, super busy, like pretty consistently busy, unless it's like 120 degrees and no one wants to be outside. Um, But yeah, summer's like consistently busy and August is really busy. And then when people go back to school, like after Labor Day, we have a little bit more of a lull. Um, But now as we get into the end of September and October, it's going to be really busy because in Virginia, of course, it's beautiful. It's like the most perfect fall weather. The leaves are changing everyone's kind of starting to get in the mood for red wines. So it's really, we're about to get into that super so, busy season. So guys, I'm, I mean, I, I grew up in North Carolina. I went to school in Virginia. Uh, of course, a lot of our listeners are from the Midwest and uh, Carolyn grew up in North Dakota. So, but for me, I don't know about you guys and Carolyn, you can speak more for you and the Midwest people, but October is my favorite month. October, beginning of November, my favorite time of the year. It's so cool. It's so crisp outside. I, I, I play football, so it was like the perfect time of year to have football games and play football, but also just the weather just feels so, so, so good to me. So, so nice. Carolyn, how was it yeah. for you guys? <laughs> I I honestly think people in the mid, well, I'm not going to speak for everybody, yeah. but I think me too growing up, well, my birthday's in October, Absolutely. so I love October, <laughs> but also like the fall is nice in the Midwest. I mean, of course, it depends. Sometimes you get snow in September, but not. Did you really get snow in September? Like at the end of September, but not always. Wow. Sometimes it'll just totally drop off and mm. it'll be like 100 degrees in August. And then the next week it'll be like 50, 50. degrees. And you're like, what the heck? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> but like, it still has that same like smell in the air of fall and crisp weather and the leaves are changing. Like, it's still really beautiful in the fall in the Midwest. Right. And I think I was always ready for fall to come. It's just winter that was like so terrible. And spring was never my favorite because sometimes you never really had a spring until like the end of May. And so it was just sad. (laughs) But I think summer and fall were like always my favorites. It's such, it's so different, you know, being from these two two different regions. For me, we experienced all four seasons. So Mm -hmm. um, I can't imagine having. No, we. In North they were Dakota, shorter, shorter. Yeah. some seasons were short. In shorter. North Dakota, yeah. you do experience all four seasons. Right. But also, I will say, like, they're very extreme four Understand. seasons. Understand. It's like <laughs> negative 50 degrees in the winter. Like, you do get some really beautiful, nice spring days, like flowers blooming. Like, it can be really beautiful. Mm-hmm. But sometimes spring, I feel like, is literally two weeks long, and then it's like summer. <laughs> it's just crazy. But, I mean, sometimes you also do get those years where the snow stops in March. Yeah. And you've got, you know, so your spring comes for a couple months and you've got a good summer and yeah, okay. I don't know. It's okay. Okay. It's just different. Well, well back to wine. And again, folks yeah. listening to the American land auctioneer radio show. I'm your guest host, Mo Covington. I'm here with Carolyn Pfeiffer. We're doing a takeover for Kevin Pfeiffer um, as he's out at auction. Um, but I'm here with the American wine girl. We're talking wine. Carolyn, I, you know, I get this question. I don't know how to answer it. I'm sure you get this question all the time. Yeah. Talking about wine, old world versus new world, left bank or right bank. Can you please explain, explain to us what yeah. the heck does that mean? So you guys, the other day <laughs> we were trying to pick out a wine to drink on Saturday night and Mo was like, Oh, I think I'm in the mood for like a left bank new world red. And I was okay. like, 
That is not a thing. I thought I was talking wine, but I guess I no, wasn't. No, it was cute. It's cute that he tries, but that is not a thing. So explain yeah, to us I what think, it is. I think yeah. a lot of people, you know, you hear that old world versus new world wine. Old world, old world is regions of wine. So old world is primarily Europe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what's considered the old world regions of wine. So it's going to be France, Italy, Spain, Portugal, Germany, all those places. Okay. okay. Um, and typically it's also a style of mm-hmm. wine that you'll taste. It's a little bit lighter body, a little higher acidity, maybe lower alcohol. And a big indicator for me is it's usually a little less fruity and it's got more of the earthy mineral flavors. Okay. Um, also, especially France, Germany, you know, you have more of the cooler climate vineyards there as well. Okay. So then when we're talking new world wine, I mean, the biggest one that we know is California, California. Okay. Um, but also just anywhere in North America right. is considered new world anywhere in South America. Uh, South America is considered New World, so that's Chile, so I had that right. I Argentina. knew I knew I like New World wine. So you do prefer New World? I do. I okay. do. Okay. I like a heavy Napa Cab. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so California would be New World. I mean, that's it's also like South Africa or Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's Argentina, oh. Malbec. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, South Africa, South America, both <laughs> both are New World. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so those are you know primarily the the key differences, and with the New World wine style, it's going to be higher alcohol, more fruity. So when we're saying Napa Cab, more. Dark fruit, juicy, jammy, higher alcohol, um, warmer climate, some more tropical fruit flavors in the white wines. Um, so pretty different styles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're talking right bank and left bank, I don't know if, like, you probably don't hear that a lot unless you're into wine, but right bank and left bank are, um, it has to do with the Bordeaux region of France. So Bordeaux in France is really known for its red blends. So it's got those noble grape varieties that are Cabernet Sauvignon. Carolyn, let me stop you right there because I don't want you to get cut off by this commercial that's coming up. (laughs) We'll we'll pick back up where we left off talking about left and right bank. Uh, We have to go to break right now, guys. So again, you're listening to the American Land Auctioneer Radio Show. I'm your guest host, Maurice Covington, joined by Carolyn Pfeiffer. And we'll be right back after this break. In the American Indian of 35, and I have sold it to you right there. Good bird, just great. Bye. Almond bin on here now, $50,000 bid now, $25 bid, $30. Almond bin on here now, $30,000 here now, $30,000 bid, and now $5,000. Good morning, and welcome back to the America's Land Auctioneer Radio Show. I am your guest host, Maurice Covington, and I am joined by the lovely Carolyn Pfeiffer, who is my fiance, also known as the American Wine Girl. And we've been here talking about Italy, we've been talking about wine, all the fun stuff that people love to listen to and talk about, of course. <laughs> uh, before we went to break, um, Carolyn was doing a deep dive into old world versus new world wines and left versus right bank. So I know you guys were kind of cramming to hear what she had to say about the left versus right. So I'll let her kind of pick back up. Um, where she left off. So, Carolyn, you want to take it away for us? Yeah. So, again, so left and right bank are in regards to the Bordeaux region of France. Mm-hmm. And Bordeaux is really known for its red blends. So that's things like Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Cabernet Franc. And it's all these, um, 
you know, grapes blended together. However, the left and right bank, so in Bordeaux, there's a big river separating the two. And on the left side, it is primarily Cabernet Sauvignon mm-hmm. that is grown. So those blends are a lot heavier on the cab side. Mm-hmm. The right bank is primarily Merlot. And Merlot-driven red blends. Understand. So, and you know, Cabernet Sauvignon is typically a little heavier in tannins, maybe higher in alcohol, um, has more of the dark fruit flavors, whereas Merlot is a little bit lighter, maybe a little more elegant, red fruits, more medium body. Um, So when people are like, oh, I prefer a left bank Bordeaux, Mm -hmm. they're talking, they want a Cabernet-driven. So that's, I know that I like a left bank Bordeaux style because I love that cab-driven. I love that flavor and that taste. Yeah. What do you prefer? Right bank? (sighs) To be honest, I like them both for what they are. They're both really different. I think it depends on the mood. I will say I feel like a lot of people typically go for the left bank because they're a little more robust, a little more intense. Mm -hmm. But I think that the Merlot right bank Bordeaux are really elegant Mm -hmm. and just, you know, easy to drink, but very complex and sophisticated. So, right. I like them both. You oh, know. that is so cool. Everything's a hard question when it comes to wine because <laughs> well, yeah. I like everything. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're a wine educator, so it's kind of yeah. hard for you to choose what's better because you're just tasting a lot of different yeah. things and things taste, you know, different things taste good to you. So Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of tasting, mm-hmm. so Mo and I have our tasting at our wedding venue coming up um, in November, which oh, yeah. I'm so excited for. So. Yeah. Um, Mo and I are getting married. Yeah. Uh, we got, we got engaged actually exactly a year ago, last September in California, in Santa Barbara, Barbara, our favorite place Mm -hmm. ever. Um, but we decided to have our wedding happen in March, 2022 and we're doing it in Charleston. Perfect time of year. Yeah. Great weather. Yeah. Yeah, Hopefully 70 degree weather. I love Charleston. It is such a beautiful city. It's so historic. I'm like very into like the history and just like art and beautiful places. And Mm -hmm. so I love Charleston, but also with my mom's side of the family being from South Carolina, um, and now we live in Virginia, so it's like a seven hour drive for us. Right. Um, it just seemed like the perfect place. Originally we were looking in Asheville, North Carolina, right. um, which is also super beautiful. And, and it, Mo is from North Carolina. Right. But also when we talked about potential options, we also mentioned Santa Barbara too. We but did. But we figured it was too far for a lot of people to make it out we there. We did. And, yeah, yeah. We want, we want everyone to be able to come and I, I know it's going to be quite a trip for all of my Midwest friends and family, but I still think that people are excited because a lot of people haven't been to Charleston, but it's on like their list of places to go. So I'm just, I'm hoping everyone's excited to come and I can't wait. It'll be the perfect time for your Midwest family members and friends to fly East. Yeah, it's like spring break time. Oh, spring break time. They can get out of that cold weather. They can come to a nice kind of coastal climate. Um, It'd be awesome. I think this is going to be a great time for yeah. sure. So, so later today, Mo and I are picking out our menu for what we're going to taste. And I can't wait because it's just going to be so much food and some wine <laughs> and it's going to be amazing. That's so speaking of Charleston, we went to Hall's Chop House. I want to say a oh, year ago. So good. Amazing steak, amazing environment, amazing. Yeah, we need to go back. But that is where I can definitively, definitively say I fell in love with Hall. They're wine, wine cabs, heavy yeah. cabs. Although they, I don't think the two are related. They're not. They're not related. But no. they sold hall but, wine yeah. at hall chop house. Yeah. Right. And the wine was so amazing. I just fell in love with their wine. Yeah. So when we went to Napa it's Sonoma like right later later that year, 
I said, we have to go to Hall because I love this wine so much. And we ended up buying. I mean, I'm a wine yeah, club a wine member. Club I know. <laughs> yeah, but that is Mo's, like, perfect example of, like, the wine that he loves is Hall wine it from Napa. It goes great with a steak, too. It does. It's perfect with steak. Yeah, so that was fun. I mean, Charleston is a great city. So much good wine and food and culture and music and King Street shopping, things to do. It's just, like, one of my favorite places ever. And we, so when we went down, we got to, oh, of course, you guys, if we're having a wedding in, in, in March, you know, we picked our venue. But our mm-hmm. venue is right on the Ashley River. It is like an historic house, old historic house. It's yeah. a, such a cool property. It's right downtown, essentially near the Citadel. Yeah. So we're kind of close to everything, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is really cool. So, I mean, I'm excited to get married there. It's, it's an awesome location. I can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> now, the wedding process has been fun. It's been great having a planner because that's taken a lot of stress off of me, especially because I don't know vendors and really things to book and stuff in Charleston. So having a wedding planner has been so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's crazy that we're only six months out. And Can you believe it? No. I mean, when we planned this, we had, we had like a year and a half I to know. go, and now we're and like I mean, six, six months, months away. Six months feels like, okay, that's a decent amount of time, but it's going to go by so, so fast. fast. <laughs> and Mo has some exciting stuff coming up this next weekend. You're bringing your groomsmen oh, here. Yeah, you yeah, guys are getting yeah. a suite at the UVA football game. Yeah, so guys, I mean, if you don't know, I played football at the University of Virginia, and we're here recording um, in Charlottesville, Virginia right now. Um, however, this week, I have a few of my old teammates flying into town. I have my groomsmen driving up into town, and we're all going to go to the UVA football game. We have a nice tweet. It'll, have, it'll be a, a great time. I'm really looking forward to it. The weather, the weather is just starting to turn here. So like I mentioned earlier, that cool fall crisp air. Oh, man, what a wonderful time of year. So I'm looking forward to the weekend. Should be a great time. Uh, of course, Carolyn's coming along with two of her bridesmaids as well. So should be fun. Yeah, I'm <laughs> super pumped. And I haven't been to a UVA game in like two years. Oh, so it's well, good to be back in like the stadium. I mean, even me being a together. former athlete, you know, last year I wasn't even really looking at sports like that. It was just so weird in COVID, you know, yeah, trying to last watch sports year with you, no fans. Yeah, last year you like didn't ever have football on <laughs> really in the house. And you're like, this year's going to be different. different. I'm going to watch football every day. And so far it has been, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I love football season too. I mean, I you know, know a decent amount about football. My dad and my brother love football. So football was like always on in the house and my dad and brother are like big Vikings fans and NDSU fans, right? No, no, no. No. Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Oh, UND, UND. (laughs) They're UND fans. Well, my brother goes to UND and my dad went to UND. Um, yeah, so I guess that means I'm a UND fan. Sorry to all the but Bison fans. But you went to fans. Minnesota, so. But that's the thing. Like, I support all teams. Mo's like, oh, my God, whatever. You got to pick I'm one, like, Carolyn. You can't be on the fence. No, I'm a gopher fan as well because I, I am a gopher. So I definitely, so for, who as far as Big Ten mm-hmm. goes, I'm a gopher fan. Who who are so do you do you follow the team or no not, really? not at okay. all I've no well I've I've kind of turned you into a UVA fan <laughs> I mean yeah but I also don't know who they're playing well they're playing Wake Forest there you go so you do know well yeah <laughs> yeah 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 it's okay big football households here guys <laughs> yeah yeah football season's the best I'm so ready for fall <laughs> yeah well guys again um you're listening to. America's Land Auctioneer Radio Show, and we have done a takeover today. Uh, myself, Mo Covington, and the lovely American Wine Girl, um, Kevin, is out in the field doing his thing. Out Auc- in the field. Well, he's you know auctioneering. Yeah, but not in a field. Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, typically the auctions are in like a hotel. Well, or you like mean, I mean, he's out in his center. field of work doing oh, his thing. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I was like, well, I don't think he's like no out reference in a to field. football. No, <laughs> no reference. Either football field or like a cornfield. No, uh, get out of here. Okay, <laughs> I know what you're saying. But we enjoyed being with with you guys today. It's been awesome. <laughs> Again, we hope you guys enjoyed our show today. Uh, we talked a little bit about Italy and wine with American Wine Girl, and it was it was fun, huh, Carolyn? Yes, always a good time on the ALA radio show. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, folks, once again, you're listening to the America's Land Auctioneer Radio Show. Today, I was your guest host, Mo Covington. I'm joined by American Wine Girl, Kellen Pfeiffer, and we enjoyed it. We hope you guys have a, re- a great day. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Bye.